This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. Yes, something just doesn't feel right about it. But we can only speculate at this time. And to a large extent, I, I want to believe that with good cause. That was Sunday Bitrus, president of Zumunta Association USA, on the various problems Nigeria's election commission, INEC, is confronted with. Details coming up. Also, Uganda plans to start generating at least 1,000 megawatts of electricity from nuclear power by 2031. Islamic extremists in Nigeria's Borno state have killed at least 37 fishermen. And in Burundi, 24 people have been charged in a crackdown on homosexuality. All these and more on African News Tonight. We start with our top story. With the outcome of February 25th presidential elections in Nigeria leading to court challenges and outrage within the opposition and the public governor and state assembly elections planned for Saturday have been delayed a week. All eyes are focused on Nigeria's electoral commission, INEC, and its voting machines. For more insight on the matter, I talked to Sunday Bitris, president of Zumantu Association USA, an organization dedicated to conflict resolution, public engagement, and community participation. I think there has been a huge blowback with regard to the the, the issues that, that arose from the use of the, the technology that was developed in-house by INEC during the presidential election. Um, again, being a technology that was developed in-house, you can be rest assured that there it will it will still be in a process of uh, continuous improvement. So I'm not surprised that they are saying that they needed to reconfigure the the machines that they were using for the elections. Again, we know that those were what what was used during the last elections. Part of what I was able to see in the registration portal where some of those results are supposed to come in includes illegible results sheets that are coming in. Um, the question of whether they, there are, they are, the issue, whether it's a network issue, uh, again, remains unresolved. So they are saying they want to go ahead and reconfigure the equipment uh, so they can have uh, proper results, which in other words means that they are acknowledging that there are issues with the machines during the presidential elections which may have uh, affected or not the, the, the results. But then it remains to be seen. So I think it's also within their, their right uh, because because INEC is, has been, was established to work as um, an agency in, in Nigeria that has the powers to develop its own guidelines. So if they feel that they cannot do it, they, they are, I believe that that's what they're, they're trying to do. But the PDP, the party of uh, Atiku Abu Bakar and Labour's Peter Obi, have seized on what has become a chaotic count after the failures with the digital voting system. Yes, something just doesn't feel right about it. But we can only speculate at this time. And to a large extent, I, I want to believe that with good cause, and I want to have faith in the system, even though it has not displayed faith to the Nigerian people. Those are the, the I mean, the, the BVAS equipment that they have uh, utilized. Again, those are questions that still remains unanswered. And we're hoping that uh, through litigation and through the employment of experts who might be able to prove otherwise or not, uh, whether something indeed happened 
but people have their own assumptions and calculations. Again, I, I do not want to be a jury and a judge about uh, what's going on with the Beavers machine because I do not have a hard facts. What we have is speculations from different people, contestation from the parties, but I've always been, and we've always been advocates that there are mechanisms for pursuing the address or the redress of any issues that may have arisen from the use of the of the BVAS equipment. It remains to be seen. So moving forward, uh, as far as the election is concerned, uh, we have uh, court cases pending. What do you see will the outcome be as you look forward? This this becomes a question of if the judiciary is going to be impartial. We expect the judiciary should to be impartial in terms of determining the uh, whatever cases might have been brought uh, to to them to a judge, and of course the question of the evidence that might eventually be brought forward to argue the case. Um, we've seen around uh, social media a lot of uh, the list of the senior advocates of Nigeria being employed by all the presidential candidates and in, in at various stages to be the ones to defend or probably argue their case in, in the electoral court. So those remain certainly questions that we are looking forward to seeing how it will play out. But to a large extent, a lot of Nigerians in the diaspora um, and around the world, uh, and in Nigeria in particular, are really looking forward to a court case that would be interesting indeed to follow. Has there been any uh, reversal of uh, elections uh, in the history of Nigeria? Yes, there has been some cases in states. Um, there has been cases in states where elections were reversed and state governors were reappointed. But at the national level, I do not think that we do have any precedent. Uh, probably Nigeria might want to borrow relief from what they see going on around the world. But again, it's a question of merit, right? At the end of the day, if it has been proven that that is the case, that might eventually be applicable. But otherwise, right now, we know it can happen in the states. But at the federal level, it's a question that is still... Uh, I will call it untested waters. That was Sunday Bitrus, president of Zumanta Association USA. He talked with me from the U.S. state of Virginia. And in more news from Nigeria, Islamic extremists in Nigeria's Borno state have killed at least 37 fishermen. The French news agency AFP says a dozen fighters believed to be Boko Haram opened fire on a group of men sorting their catch of the day along the river bank outside the Gogo village, about 12 miles from the town of Dikwa. Witnesses said the attackers pursued them as they tried to flee, but at least three escaped and alerted authorities. More than 40,000 people have been killed and more than 2 million displaced since the insurgency began in 2009. Since then, it has spread to neighboring Chad and Cameroon. And a Nigerian woman who fled Italy had been returned to serve a 13-year sentence on convictions related to trafficking women for prostitution, according to Italian police. Joy Jeff played a key role in trafficking Nigerian women to Italy, Spain, and the Netherlands from 2006 to 2007. She controlled the woman through violence, including threats against family members back in Nigeria. The 48-year-old had been sought for 13 years as one of the few women on Italy's most dangerous fugitive list. Jeff was arrested in Nigeria in 2022 and extradited to Italy under a recently agreed extradition pact. Is the fight for democracy at a turning point? 
Freedom House documents a global decline for the 17th consecutive year. One of the biggest concerns, media freedom. VOA's Veronica Balderas Iglesias explains. As freedoms continued to decline globally for the 17th consecutive year in 2022, U.S. nonprofit Freedom House noted a positive trend. Everyday citizens are demanding that their political and civil rights be preserved. Yana Gorohovska is a co-author of the Freedom in the World report. We continue to see that around the world in the most repressive environments. We see that in China, we see that in Cuba, we saw that in Iran last year. Gorohovska says that inadequate protections, intimidation and even violence against journalists has left media freedom at risk in at least 157 countries and territories. They inform citizens, they hold the powerful to account. So this is all really necessary for a healthy democracy. She added that Russian censorship was particularly damaging when it came to reporting the war in Ukraine. You couldn't call the war a war, you couldn't criticize the Russian military. And so as a result, most Russian independent media uh, left the country and has to be based elsewhere. The repression has also discouraged ordinary citizens from seeking access to reliable sources of information, even through a VPN, for instance, says Sinia Kirilova, an investigative journalist and analyst at the Jamestown Foundation. If you just share any truthful information about the war, you can be arrested and uh, can be put in jail. The Freedom in the World report, now in its 50th year, also highlighted declines in Burkina Faso and Myanmar. Freedom House's Yana Grochowska. We actually have seen people put to death in Myanmar for, for offering criticism of the coup and of the ruling uh, military junta. We're really seeing an unfortunate situation in Burkina Faso because it, it means um, sort of a, a, almost a complete... Um, destruction of uh, political institutions and people's rights. She noted that's a sharp contrast to Colombia and Lesotho, which are among the 34 countries to show improvements. One aspect of sort of the bright spots we see are elections that are competitive and free. The United States also has work to do in terms of combating polarization, something Gorochowska called warring. But we also see efforts um, from both political parties to address that. Amid a global struggle for democracy, Freedom House recommends governments make human rights a priority, including in bilateral engagements. Veronica Valderas Iglesias, VOA News, Washington. You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Yehegi Suhib in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. The U.S. Embassy in Libya has urged key leaders to use a constructive spirit in approaching the U.N. Special Envoy's plan for holding presidential and legislative elections this year. That follows the objection of Libya's House of Representatives to the U.N. plan. The embassy called it an opportunity to show they are truly dedicated to serving the public's needs. 
Wolfgang Porstai, former Austrian military attaché in Libya, discussed with VOA senior analyst Mohamed El Shinawi whether the U.S. message would find open ears in Libya. Well, rather unlikely. I need to say the international statements in support of Badi's initiative were for the time being rather lukewarm. There are just a few statements on Twitter by the U.S. embassy, including this one, by the Germans and by UK. It seems to be that the main international actors on Libya were informed by Badi quite late about the concrete content of his speech to the UN Security Council. An own UN resolution about the initiative is very unlikely. So I doubt that the US statement will have a deep and encouraging impact on the Libyans. Al-Mish's statement about harmonizing the Badi initiative with the Third Amendment could lead to a face-saving compromise for Badi. Although Badi called this Third Amendment controversial, he said correctly that it leaves core questions open, and he criticized also the regional representation in the Senate. And this will not ring very positive in the ears of the people in the East and in the South. So I think we will see an even more complicated time in the near future in Libya. With such resentment and division, do you foresee elections being held in Libya this year? I would rule out that elections could take place this year. At best, at best, the High Council of State and the House of Representatives decide about such a common committee to work on the electoral laws in the, let's say, next two or three weeks. And even if this uh, committee comes together and starts a discussion, the key question, who is allowed to run for presidency, is still open. And if this question is solved, and I doubt this will be the case anytime soon, the need to make all the, the practical preparations for elections, including probably they also need to update their voter database. And this is certainly altogether not possible within this year. So what could the U.S. do to enhance the possibilities of having elections in Libya soon? Well, I'm with Ambassador Norland, who seems to be that he wants to shape more the environment, the environment in Libya to establish altogether a, a more favorable environment for a settlement. And this includes in particular uh, the, uh, an agreement about a more transparent distribution of the oil revenues. This includes also some more negotiations about how to unite the Libyan army. I don't have any illusion that the Libyan National Army and the Libyan army will unite anytime soon. But what could be possible is that both together establish one or two or three military units to be deployed to the southern part of Libya to fight in the south the common enemy, the smugglers, and the international terrorist gangs there. So I think what the U.S. could do and should do and probably will do is to shape the environment in Libya to achieve a more favorable situation, which could allow eventual elections maybe next year. That was Wolfgang Poshta, a former Austrian military attaché in Libya, speaking with VOA's Mohamed El Shinawi. Uganda says it expects to start generating at least 1,000 megawatts of electricity from nuclear power by 2031. Reuters reports the country would like to exploit its uranium deposits for the construction of plants, including a nuclear project supported by China at the Buyende, 150 kilometers from Kampala. 
Uganda's Ministry of Energy and Minerals says the plant would generate up to 2,000 megawatts, with half of that amount connected to the national grid within eight years. The government says it's part of a plan to integrate nuclear power into Uganda's energy mix to ensure security and provide electricity for industrialization. Reuters says in Africa, only South Africa has a nuclear power plant, though Russia is helping to construct one in Egypt. Kenya this week rolled out a campaign using the world's first vaccine against malaria to inoculate more than 400,000 children against the mosquito-borne disease. Health officials say malaria kills more than 12,000 Kenyans each year and more than half a million people in sub-Saharan Africa, most of them children. The mass vaccination campaign comes as a new invasive species of mosquito has been found in Kenya that scientists fear could reverse gains against the disease. Victoria Munga reports from Nairobi. Diana Kavwai, a mother of two, recounts the day in 2019 when her son became sick. Kavwai says she tried home remedies to ease his fever, but he succumbed to malaria. He was just over a year old. She says his body was very hot and he was shaking. When he went to the hospital, examination showed that he had malaria, but it was too late. Kavwai says she believes the recent vaccination campaign for children under the age of two will help to protect them from the mosquito-borne disease, especially during rainy seasons. Kenya's government aims to vaccinate at least 300,000 children annually against malaria in a new initiative, particularly in the eight malaria-prone regions. Pharmacist Lucy Maker, who leads immunization programs, says the vaccine, which was piloted in Kenya, Malawi and Ghana in 2019, has proven effective. The prevalence of malaria is uh, going down nationally to about 6%. Even in this uh, lake endemic zone, you can see that it has gone down from uh, 27% to 19%. And uh, we see that uh, the interventions that have been put in place for malaria are actually working. Despite the progress, however, authorities now say a new mosquito vector, Anopheles stephensi, that Kenyan scientists recently detected in the country, is threatening gains made in the fight against malaria. The carrier, which was known to be in southern Asia, the Middle East and Arabian Peninsula, has the ability to thrive in urban areas and can breed in man-made containers. Kenya is closely monitoring its extent, as Mecca explains. The malaria program is uh, looking into that. They are concerned about it and uh, so that they are able to, to see if uh, there are any interventions that need to be done above the current intervention. But as per the advice that we continue with the current interventions that have been put in place for the, all the areas that um, are uh, zoned out in the country. In a 2022 report, the World Health Organization warned of a surge in mosquito-borne diseases due to global warming, which is increasing vector survival and biting rates. The WHO Technical Officer for Malaria Vaccines in Kenya, Adam Haji, told VOA that finding new ways to combat the disease is key. There's a need and there's a requirement for the world um, to have new tools in order to um, put us back on track. 
and the malaria vaccine is one of these new tools. Malaria interventions in Kenya have included distribution of mosquito nets, spraying and minimizing potential breeding grounds. Health authorities say they hope the vaccination initiatives will help eradicate the disease. Victoria Amunga for VOA News, Nairobi. A ruling by Kenya's Supreme Court allowing registration of LGBTQ association has been hailed as a step forward in gay rights. But homosexual relations are illegal in Kenya, and one lawmaker is pushing a bill to increase the maximum punishment for anyone found guilty to life in prison. Juma Majanga reports from Nairobi, Kenya. Peter Kaluma is busy in his Nairobi office preparing to file for a review of a recent Supreme Court ruling that allows the registration of LGBTQ associations in Kenya. The parliament member says LGBTQ individuals have no rights in Kenya under the constitution. He has also introduced a bill increasing the maximum punishment for anyone found guilty of same-sex relations to death. Currently, under the current law, if homosexuals, the people who engage in homosexuality, do so by consent, the punishment is seven years. Where one is forced or coerced to engage in homosexuality, the punishment is 14 years. But that has not sufficiently deterred these homosexuals. And so we are increasing penalty. In some cases, it will be life imprisonment. In cases where there is no consent, we are going to institute death penalty. Death penalty. And and, and that is going to be very explicit in this law. Last month's majority ruling from Kenya's Supreme Court sparked a debate in the country. The hashtag say no to LGBTQ in Kenya trended for days following the ruling with criticism led by President William Ruto. He says, in our country, Kenya, we have culture and norms, and we respect our constitution. We respect the different religions in our country. We cannot go the road of women marrying fellow women and men marrying fellow men. That can never happen in our country, Kenya. Religious leaders blame what they call unchecked freedoms in the constitution for the ruling by the country's top court. Reverend Calisto Odede is the presiding bishop of Christ is the Answer Ministries. It's one of those areas on uh, uh, freedom of association without limits that uh, the uh, Supreme Court used to uh, uh, issue an order to the organ, the body that is uh, uh, registering uh, uh, NGOs uh, to register a gay movement, that uh, they have a right to association. The LGBTQ community in Kenya and rights advocates have hailed the High Court's ruling as a step forward in gay rights. Petit, as she wishes to be called, is a member of the LGBTQ community in Nairobi. She says the ruling will empower us and give us fair spaces. It will allow those who have been hiding in fear to come out and register as a rainbow community. Being recognized is important because our members have faced attacks 
and some even killed. In Kenya, First Lady Rachel Ruto has volunteered to lead national prayers against homosexuality in the country. Meanwhile, many Western countries have legalized same-sex relations in recent decades. And just last month, the Church of England allowed a blessing ceremony for same-sex couples. Here again is Reverend Kalisto Odede. Tolerance in sections of the world does not make it right. It simply says that that community or the group that are making it acceptable are a group who have followed the culture rather than who, have, uh, who are setting a trend for the culture to follow. While the Kenyan constitution guarantees a right to freedom of association, same-sex relations remain illegal in the country. Juma Majanga for VOA News, Nairobi. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. On behalf of our producer, Kwame Ofori, and our engineer, Helen Kurdian, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.